Coming at you from handsome headquarters here in sunny Los Angeles, California, I'm Lee Sanger Golden, and you're listening to me talk on the internet. I'm joined remotely uh, by my oldest friend and fellow Star Wars fan, uh, a woman of great faith and the cloth, my sister, Cantor Emma. How you doing? I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here. I am not only am I a fan of pods in general, um, and they've, they've sort of been keeping me going this this shitty year, um, but I'm such a fan of this pod. Um, I'm sorry. So <laughs> I am one of its top reviewers on yes. iTunes. <laughs> and um, I remember the good old days, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ben, of course, but um, I remember the good old days when it was just, you know, Morning Handsome, um, Caleb and you and Hanji. And obviously, you know, Caleb and Hanji are some of my favorite human beings. Um, and I loved hearing you guys just like be crazy. And we were all so young and yeah. uh, life was different, but um, the core vibe of this pod has kept its integrity. So I'm <laughs> excited to be here. It's core vibe of structurelessness, inside <laughs> jokes that no one cares about, and just talking about Star Wars has continued unabated for no, now. No, it's like, yes, and it's like liberal <laughs> radio vibes, you yes. know, um, all the things that they, they want to say but can't say on NPR. Mm -hmm. And then um, just like sort of keeping up with our, our favorite franchises, you know? Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, you were there. I think the first episode of pod that I ever recorded that's somewhere on this feed, I think it's even out of order, was like 2009. It was the week that they passed comprehensive health care. And I did like a episode of Liberal Guilt Radio. At that point, Liberal Guilt Radio was a $149 uh, uh, blue microphone that I had price matched at Fry's in mom and dad's uh, computer room, music room in our childhood home dear god and, i love fries yeah exactly uh and uh the original uh the original concept for this show was jewing fries which was just every week we would just price match something at fries but that fizzled out um anyway damn it well i i mean so like i have this great um memory of you know the history of the pod and i'm a history buff <laughs> especially like, you know, familial history, uh, tribal history, um, all that stuff. So obviously I care so much about the, this pod's history and I want to tell all the fans. Um, but really I have been, you know, one of your uh, actresses really uh -huh. for my entire, you know, human career. So, right. you know, back, back to pre-pod days, you know, just doing puppet shows on the brown barf couch mm -hmm. uh, in Pleasant Hill, California, Right. you know, to just being a, a quiet observer of all of you and your friends making films at our house where people like Kevin Alameda would say quiet on the set, like as if I <laughs> wasn't allowed bad. to be eating, you know, Cheetos in my very own house, mm -hmm. because just the, the sound of me breathing in between bites was disturbing too to him. Um, but I'm just, I'm a fan of your art and all that is to say, excited to be here and, and talk, uh, talk things we love during, uh, after just a disastrous, disastrous, oh. trashy year. I know. Yeah. It feels like it's all coming down to today too. We're like going, I finally feel like my symptoms from the cove are like starting to abate. I'm still a little okay. stuffed up and shit, but like, um, okay. cause we're going to get like tested to see, right. 
if we can like go to the hospital and have a baby and not like, because if, if like we don't test negative in time for junior to Arive, then like, I I don't think I can go to the hospital and, you know, speaking horrible, horrible thought. Right. And, you know, I like just saying horrible things just to piss off whomever's around me, whether it's like my coworkers or my wife or like, you know, whomever's whatever Russian bots are willing to listen. And like I I, the whole time I've been saying, like, you know, I don't even think men should be allowed in the hospital during during the I believe that that giving what is this the red tent exactly that this should be some sort of like witch doctor tent where all the women go in midsummer style and like and the men have to like go out or you know that we should be like off smoking cigars like down the street and i've just been joking about this but then now because of covid it's like well that actually might happen you actually the husbands might not actually be alive and it's are allowed and it's like the whole thing about like our generation in the past few years we've been just like shitting dunking on baby boomers left and right and then this whole virus is like, oh, you don't like baby boomers? Well, we'll just kill all of them. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. So if that indeed happens, then I will admit that there is a God, but I will also admit that I am not on her side, <laughs> that I'm officially okay. a Satanist. I'm officially well, Sith. I, I've heard you go down that route before and, and come back like the boomerang that you are. Right. So all that is to say, it's been just devastating yeah, to like sucks. see you and Amelia go through this and like, you know, um, holy Shekhinah mm. goddess willing, um, you know, everything's gonna, gonna work out. And I know every yeah. pregnancy is different. Every baby's different. I can speak on this with more authority than you can, um, that, uh, first babies usually seem to come a little later. So mm-hmm. I remember this time last year, I was nine months pregnant, just miserable. And, and someone <laughs> rear-ended you. Like you got yes, on accident. my due date, which was Christmas day for my gorgeous Jewish daughter. Um, <laughs> I was going to see uh, Saoirse Ronan's adaptation of Little Women and someone rear-ended me. I ended up in the hospital having contractions and they still sent me home. And I didn't have uh, my daughter until nine and a half days later. And actually she was induced and she just didn't want to leave. She even pooped inside me. (laughs) So comfortable. So, so all that is to say, you know, hopefully, hopefully you guys still have some time, get some negative tests in between there. You know, my job as someone who loves someone who's been struggling with COVID, it's Mm. really like, obviously you don't want to make it about yourself, but just to share, like, it's really hard to like be so powerless because you really can't do anything. All you can do is just, um, try to like send them good vibes and, and all that stuff. So all that is to say, like, I'm just hopeful um, yeah. inshallah. inshallah inshallah and yeah. um and that hopefully you know dish isn't you know pooping inside <laughs> of me at this point ruby did this thing my daughter did this thing this morning where she had a giant peepee which smells just like dinosaur barf in the mm-hmm. morning like it's just rotten and just like <laughs> sour and so we i changed her peepee and then about four minutes later she took a giant giant dump respect um, so so let's just hope there's like all that good stuff in the future and that you can be there you know hillary can be there and it'll be a bummer not to be able to visit you guys in the hospital but just like 
let's just hope the worst of this is over. That's really all we can do. And the naggy tests. Yeah. And yeah, as you were, I, I agree. And as you were leaving the hospital uh, that faithful day a year ago, mm-hmm. um, you were saying like, oh, um, can I have my baby? And they're like, you don't want to lose your baby, Joe. It's your greatest feature. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, <laughs> so like speaking of like uh, literary or film franchises that we love, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Little Women and um, <laughs> Louisa May Alcott. And um, I love the Winona Ryder 1994 um, adaptation. I don't know. One with Batman in it. Right. Yeah. He's great. He's great. He he doesn't. Can you do a Batman? Can you impersonate his Batman voice? Joe, I'm going to I'm going to marry your sister because you won't fuck me because you're probably a lesbian. I know. It's so sad. Where is it? Where is it? Lori and Joe should have ended up together. But in the, anyways, the 1994 adaptation is great. It is amazing. Susan Sarandon is super nurturing mm-hmm. and uh, Winona like Ryder is annoying. Be. Yeah, it's just great. And, um, but, and I didn't love this new, this new one. I don't know if you guys saw it, mm. um, but what she did to try to make it like newer was she just basically took the whole book out of order and just like, as if every chapter was like a card and a deck and she just mushed it all around and was like, I'm creative. And it was fiction. It was a disaster. But the only good thing was Florence Pugh. You also were talking about Midsommar. I love her. Um, She plays Amy and she brings, like instead of being this bratty little sister, which of course I know all about, Mm -hmm. she's like, Mm She she allows you to like identify with the inner brat inside of you, and it is the most beautiful. She's great. I love her. That's wonderful. I was uh, in a production of Little Women, and like, at, like all of the little when? years ago, active art at the Julia Morgan Center for the Arts, this like renowned theatrical space in Berkeley, California, where assholes go to oh, do wow. plays. Yeah, I was uh, I was Laurie. Exactly. I was the one little man. Oh, I don't remember this at all. Yeah, and like I was probably like 25 and like Amy was okay. like 48 or something. <laughs> like no, it was it was a lot of fun. Um I um I got cast in a like a brand new musical production of it at Town Hall Theater in Lafayette. Mm. And the director was like, I know that you're really into shows at your high school. So just promise me if I let you, if I cast you as Joe, you're not gonna leave me for Rio Asala. This is Barrett Lindsay Steiner saying, um, you're not going to leave. You're going to commit to this. I know you're 14. You've kind of grown out of my shows, but this is the lead. And like, I want you to do this. So just tell me. And so I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm dying to play Joe, blah, blah, blah. So like, then I get the part and a week later, um, I auditioned for the crucible at my high school and um, I go, yeah. Abigail, which is like just the craziest, most another, wow. Full circle Winona Ryder, um, uh-huh. in the movie. And so obviously I ditched the Little Women musical and went to play Abigail so I could just be psycho on stage. Yeah, that was a good production. I remember we ate a bunch of Chinese food before we came and saw it. Oh, yeah, tried. and Grandpa got, had like a diabetic like, had like a diabetic fit. I had, to drink, <laughs> I had to drink so much water because of all the sodium in that Chinese food that I like I had to pee like 14 times during the play. And like, the thing is like, normally if, if you're in a theater, you just like hold it. But since that was like my old theater and I'd started in the first production that after they had built it, I was just like, 
I was just like walking in and out like it was a fucking football game. And the director, well, you were like, I own this place. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm just leave it, take a piss in the trough, get some Cracker Jacks and a hot dog, come back. Um, Oh, God. And your our teacher was so pissed. But anyway, you were trying to like transition us into like franchises and like getting mad at franchises and adaptations because you're like emotionally invested in it and Mm -hmm. all of that. And mm-hmm. feeling betrayed when it's like doesn't not that this is what you're saying, but like people feel betrayed when like like how could there be a woman Ghostbuster? What the fuck is wrong with you? Or like right. how could there be well, a, a black stormtrooper? Oh my gosh, that's just inexcusable. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I would say I mean those people's thoughts not having black stormtrooper. Oh okay. To clarify. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say like, so on the opposite end of that, yes, like there are some of our franchises and like favorite novels and these things have been destroyed by like in the sake of creating new art. Um, yeah. And I guess that's sometimes just like what art is about is about failing. And like, if we don't mm-hmm. make space for that, then like what the hell are we fattened for? <laughs> um, but I would say like this past year, I, I just was like reading all these articles and like podcasts, seeing all this stuff pop up about like best of 2020. And I was like, frankly, I didn't really like anything that came out of 2020 with a few exceptions. And instead, I've actually like enjoyed watching my favorite old things and and finding comfort in them. And and even though certain things like, for example, the the episodes one, two and three of the Star Wars trilogy, like we can say, oh, they suck like. But the fact is, every time I watch them, I actually like like them yes. a little more, you know, because I'm older now and I just like appreciate them for what they are. And I can still recognize that like they're shameless trash, but there's just <laughs> something. Wars has always been shameless trash. It just yeah. used to be, we used, we just used to be kids. Right. And also, as we, I totally agree, those movies, like they're, you know, fundamentally, uh, objectively bad but like there's in each one there's at least one thing where i'm like oh that's some that's some great star wars like attack of the clones probably like the worst star wars movie ever if not one of the worst movies ever but the last reel the like last 30 minutes of that is like some of the best star wars you know and like plus that movie is beautiful like yes you know i have you have to give kudos to one has to give kudos to like all of the technicians and artists that like help create those movies never get any credit and like even if it's not you know doesn't look as real or like this or that like it it is like beautiful art and i'm not like a big video game player like you know i used to like watch you and like our neighbor dave like play video games and you know i'll play like pokemon go and candy crush like i have my like (laughs) everyone's a gamer now yeah yeah but i i always hear people say like oh like video games are so beautiful you know um so I don't know. That's kind of how I feel about the original Star Wars. Like there's merit to them. I mean, you're also like talking to somebody who has made her life's work, like trying to revive some of the oldest books and stories of, you know, human written history and existence. So like mm-hmm. I read the Torah like every year. Before so, the dark times, before Scientology. Right. So there's something like, I don't know if it's a bad thing to say. There's something about me that just likes to revisit things and likes things that are comfortable. And like, that's where I feel good. So in a year yeah. that really felt so icky and disastrous, like 
that's where I felt good. Particularly like recently I went back and watched all the, um, back to the futures. Yeah. I know we're talking about star Wars, but like always gotta, always gotta bring up, you know, the Fox. Marty, we need to travel back to 1999 and cast (laughs) a better kid cast Haley Joe Osment as, (laughs) as Anakin. Yeah. And it's like, also as we grow older, like I'm less mad at a kid for being bad at acting like that poor kid. Like, we ruined his life. The Anakin kid, like the first Anakin kid, like he, the poor guy is like Jake Lloyd is like in a mental institution now. And he was like, yeah. I heard him interviewed. He's like a Star Wars, like every kid. I love Star Wars. I had all the toys and then you ruined my life. And I burnt, he like threw away all of his Star Wars toys, which to me, like. So, so this is sort of like how I, it's not really his fault, right? It's his parent. It, it's not even George Lucas's fault or the fans fault. It's his parents fault. They trafficked him or to Lucasfilm. It's sort of how I probably, I think that's I'm stealing this joke from you, but I, it's, I actually love dogs, but I yes. hate dog owners. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. They're so annoying. You know, they like <laughs> put their animals in clothing. They like act like they're animals entitled to shit wherever they want. I mean, like mm-hmm. I live in New York and dogs were just shitting all over the place. And that just means that that's the human shitting. It's the same thing. It's not the dog. The dogs are so sweet and bubbies and cuddly and amazing, but their owners just like let them literally pee on the world. And then, (laughs) you know, so that's sort of Jake Lloyd is just, and Haley Joel Osment, these are just sad little doggies. Yeah. Nasty owners. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I am right. Yeah. And like, yeah, go like back to the future. I mean, I think that like, that's one of those things like that movie so back to back to the future. back to the future is the it's it's actually the perfect movie. Like there's this thing that um your like b- boss's son who is like he's a he's a, a writer and filmmaker and producer. He taught me this thing called save the cat, which is like you create a beat sheet for um you create a beat sheet, like this outline, if you want to write a movie or a play or whatever. And there's all of these key things like opening image, theme mm-hmm. stated, um, like the, uh, and then like the hero's call. And then like, and then, you know, uh, bad guys close in, break into three and all these things. And if you, and if you take back to the future and you do just take the beat sheet template and put it over, it, it hits every single beat totally. up to, and, and it seems like, if you look at it, it almost seems like a blunt instrument, but like, you know, opening image, you have this guy with the sunglasses and the little guitar in front of this thing. And it's like, that's like the most eighties thing possible. This like skateboarder rock and roll, like sunglass wearing. And then you got theme stated where the principal goes to, you know, says no McFly has ever amounted to anything in the entire history of Hill Valley. And then Marty goes, well, history is about to change theme stated. That's the entire movie right there. And if you can't, you're, you have to tell, if you want to write a good story, you tell your whole movie in the first five minutes. If you have not, if you have not like uh, telegraphed your entire movie in the first five minutes, your movie's probably going to fail. Right. And that's so well said. And every movie should be 30 minutes shorter than it is. Exactly. And that movie I think is like 92 minutes and like a million, a a million things happen. There's a gajillion characters Mm. and then it sets up a beautiful sequel and uh and everyone shits on jennifer yeah a different jennifer because and i just explained that like well when he went and changed the past he also just changed his girlfriend 
that a different girl was born from like he by saving his by connecting his oh, that parents, makes so much sense wow love that love like, that midrash that, exactly it's a good drosh that basically by bringing his parents back together he saved their timeline but he fucked up jennifer's parents timeline and then her mom married a different guy or even she's just like a different egg and sperm exactly but they still named it after like grandma jennifer or right. whatever so like we were just talking about Haley Joel Osment and or is it Jake Lloyd who's like in a mental institution? Yeah. So he got in a like high speed chase while drunk with the cops and oh. oh no. So he was literally living out episode one. He was pod racing <laughs> and got shot by Tuscan. Look at that kid, he's drunk driving. Oh, his midichlorian level was yeah. tested way too high. A local boy, Jake Lloyd, ruining his life and burning all of his Star Wars toys. But, so <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd. Um, <laughs> but Bantapudu. So he like literally gave up on life and mm. I do like as, as a pastoral caregiver I feel mm. sad for mm -hmm. him yeah we, we should all chaplain him we need to chaplain him you know real hard but on the on the flip side of things I was just listening to an amazing pod interview I can't remember who who was interviewing but someone was interviewing Michael J Fox on his new book no time like the future mm. And he, you know, similar path, child star, um, and had a devastating, you know, diagnosis Parkin with Parkinson's. Parkinson's. And he, like, you know, had a couple years where he was like binge drinking and mm -hmm. was depressed. And he was, he was on after Family Ties, he was on like Spin City, yeah, um, Emmy award winning, Spin Emmy Spin award winning Spin City. And he like didn't tell anyone on the show that he was diagnosed and he was having trouble. Anyways, all he 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 basically turned his life around, started a Parkinson's uh, organization for research. He is such a together, you know, sober, emotionally in touch guy. Father. Um, father literally love can could not love this new book title more. No <laughs> Yeah. Nope, could not no love it so like as much as i my heart goes out to like jake lloyd you know look at someone like michael j fox who had i think like a tougher hand yeah. dealt him than like some cyber bullies yeah and he has really like turned the tide so <laughs> way worse things jake lloyd, this is Smith what we wish for him. you just be more like michael j fox <laughs> you pile yeah. And, and like in a time where like people, you know, someone came to me the other day and they said, hey, like, I'm glad that you said that you have COVID online because like mm -hmm. I felt stigma where I didn't even want to tell my own family because I thought they would judge me. And, you know, Michael J. Fox, like he was taking his medication for years for Parkinson's uh, and, and hiding it from everyone while on the sets of these these programs and these movies. And one of the things uh, that, you know, you get from Parkinson's is like you weave and you kind of do this thing where you like rock back and forth. And like when people see someone with a, a disease where like, it seems like they're doing something like weird that makes you feel like they're crazy. It, it makes people really uncomfortable. Like, you know, if you have Tourette's and a lot of people like they have ticks and they move around and it makes people uncomfortable. And so, um, and that's obviously not the fault of someone afflicted with the disease. Right. I would want to ask those people, why are you uncomfortable? What about this is making you uncomfortable? Well, it's like seeing a person who's experiencing homelessness. You're like, oh, that could happen to me. It's like seeing an old person who like smells weird. You're like, oh, that's gonna happen to me. And I and one of the the most 
and it's hard in a time right now where like the people who we think of are, as our heroes, like the, the more we look at them, we're like, oh, they're all just like a bunch of assholes. You know what I mean? It's tough to find someone who really is pure of heart, who really does something heroic. And what he did in the mid nineties is they were doing something for Parkinson's research uh, in Congress and they had a congressional hearing. And he specifically that morning, a guy whose whole life is, is like, was like being cute and fun on TV. His whole life was, was, was being on TV and being this image that, that, that brought people at ease. Uh, he didn't take his medication that morning mm. so that he could go give testimony. And he gets up there and he starts weaving around. And he says, you know, one of the things that um, happens is that, you know, you, this, this happens to you and I have Parkinson's. And this whole guy whose whole thing is being on TV and putting people at ease, he lets himself be on TV, being vulnerable, being uncomfortable. And it was one of the, like, for this horrible disease, this was one of the hugest, like, awareness moments. And I know that whole concept is fucked up. We're trying to raise awareness, but people, like, weren't aware that that this wasn't something that was just like, you know, old people got it, that you could be young, vibrant at the top of your career and be afflicted. Anyone could get this. And it was a watershed moment. And that to me, and I'm not comparing myself well, going on my such beautiful. Yeah, it's it is beautiful. And I'm not comparing myself by like going online and saying, hey, I have COVID, listen to my podcast in any way to what he did. Uh, but that was to me fucking heroism that to me is hanging from the clock tower of life and plugging in the electricity right as the delorean passes under you know that is Maybe that's you true. wouldn't have had the chutzpah to do you know to share if you didn't have amazing role models and leadership leaders like that because like we're in a crisis of leadership right now yes. where we don't have heroes doing things like that i have to say too like i've shared with people you know, that you and Amelia are sick and mm -hmm. people who know me, you know, know like how close you and I are yeah. and, um, and you know, that Amelia is pregnant and everything. And people have been unbelievably rude and like, well, tell just, them they could suck my fucking COVID. I mean, dick. really? Like I, I, I just say, you know, like they, they were following all the guidelines. They went to Trader Joe's and people will just say, you can't get it from Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's is doing such a good job. No. And I'm like, you don't. They like, are, but that's not it. Of course. I'm not trying to blame Trader Joe's. It's just that people can't, people come are coming from such a place of fear that they cannot even like wrap their heads around, you know, this yeah. thing. I wear and it with the badge of fucking honor. I think you should. And you guys are going to. You know, hopefully, hopefully what happens is like you get some negative tests. You get to have this baby with like oh, even some less stress. I can, I could start smoking weed again. You can start smoking <laughs> weed again. Exactly. But I'm just saying people are so like closed minded and cruel, but it's only because they're so afraid. And, and I'm not saying that go. that's justified, but I'm saying we don't have any, we don't have any parental figures, you yep. know, to help us like Michael J. Fox, we need the <laughs> Michael J. Foxes. And yeah. I, I would say like, for me, this is probably like stupid and corny, but I feel like I never, maybe it's just part of who I am and like some of my professional training or just like who I am in my neshama and soul. Um, but like, 
I just haven't, I haven't been able to feel that judgy feeling, even though I've been really afraid of this, um, illness, but I think the main reason is because <laughs> the first people I knew who had it were Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson and, um, <laughs> the, play, the, the Playtone most, galaxy of stars, <laughs> right. And Idris Elba, who I'm just in love with. Lita. So like, who's like my celebrity cheat, you know? So like, I just, it's just like, you see other people, these people that you love and you just have to have compassion. <laughs> like, I just can't, it's so hard for me to wrap my heart around the fact that people can't do that. And it's just, it's just everywhere. It's blatant, not even by the trashy things that people say, but just by the things that they're doing. Like this, this girlfriend of mine, um, who's a cantor, she was telling me that her congregants, like had they they told her we can't meet with you Cantor because we just have to go to Bora Bora we just have to get away and I was like you really have to go to Bora Bora and 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 possibly kill somebody because you're carrying exactly exactly the most afflicted country in the world you're gonna go to some other place a, exactly. a place that has been fucking raped and fucked by our our colonial bullshit for for right. however long the second the second the first asshole like that landed in Bora Bora was probably the second Bora Bora entered what we would call the third world. Oh, the third world, the diseased third world. Oh, we can't they call let themselves Bora Bora because they're just so Bora bored Bora. of all of our bullshit. They're like, we, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, you can, no one can come into our country from your shithole countries. Go fuck yourself. But we, if we, if we decide, if our GIs want to. Yeah. go to the fucking Philippines and rape people. Or if we want to spread COVID, we can do whatever the fuck we want because we're goddamn America. Right. But anyway, so if so you talk to those right. people, be like, oh, I told my brother that. And he said, eat my fucking cock, swallow and shit out my cock cum. Oh, yeah. Shit. And then I love, eat it I love letting Ruby hear that from last week's episode. <laughs> I know. Good. I was like, Uncle Yi. <laughs> yeah, it's like. It's like well, that's why everybody's like, you know, da, 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 2020 is the worst year. Like 2021 is going to be great. I'm like, fuck 2021 until we actually like can people can look inside of the, themselves and deal with this fear and this selfishness. Like we're not going to have like a better year, like a banner year, you mm -hmm. know? So I, I, I don't want to be, I wouldn't say I'm like a pessimist. I would say I'm a realist. A realistic yeah. optimist like I'm I am hopeful that the world is going to be better. I'm hopeful that Biden is going to do, you know, better work. I'm hopeful that these vaccines are going to get bring us to a better place. But at the same time, like human beings in America, especially like are not demonstrating that they have the capacity to like come from a growth mindset and like make our country better in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. This dividing line of like the Gregorian calendar that suddenly it's like, well, if Betty White can fucking survive January, December 31st, that everything's going to be okay. It's horseshit. Okay. Ruth couldn't. So, oh, God, yeah, fuck. Good night, my sweet princess. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like, my princes of Maine, my my queens of New England. Good night, my princes of Maine. I we promise. love in our family, we love the Cider House Rules franchise. Yeah, Look and Cider film. We call it the Cider House Rocks. But you yeah, like it house all the time. Exactly. <laughs> you know, anybody who has ever tried to like quit smoking or like quit drinking or quit whatever, and they say on December 31st, right. I'm gonna do that. Is if you say that, that is a guarantee that on January 1st you're gonna be fucking mainlining heroin and smoking cigarettes. Like 100. Ooh. Fun. Like there is just a point, 
Like I used to smoke cigs. Like there's just, there was just a point where I like I put a cigarette in my mouth and I was like, this is disgusting. And then I didn't smoke anymore. Right. But it wasn't on January 1. Exactly. It was on 420. No, it was like any day. I, also, I keep bringing it back to like my Judaism, but that's just what I do as like a cantor and a teacher. But, but literally like the Jewish New Year starts at like a much more reasonable time, which is in the fall. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, uh, this this isn't my new, this isn't my new year. You know, yeah, when the planet's actually transitioning into the new like into right. the new whatever. That's lunar like- calendar is great. I love lunar calendar because I well especially sorry for all the pot, uncomfortable male pod listeners, but we women live on the cycle of the moon. This um, is you really first- do too, men. So and they's right. men, they's women. We all live on cycle of the moon. So. I love, I love as, as like dated as there, as things are about Judaism. And I mean, that's, what's great about being a reformed Jew is like, you know, you learn about the tradition and then you try to make it make a little sense to your life and, and try to be a better person. But, um, I just think the lunar calendar is just so much more reasonable and helpfully guiding. Um, a hundred percent. So all that, all that is to say, I think I've said that phrase like eight times now in this pot. <laughs> I'm going to listen back and be like, all that is to say woman um, yeah. To sum up, you know, um, January one is not going to be a fresh start unless we're really willing to like break our hearts open and just like, you know, see, just just come from a place of compassion instead of just like hatred, fear, and loathing right. of the other. And just like no, you're 100 right. And just like how no, you can't just set a date to quit smoking. What will never work. Either is is someone saying you need to quit smoking. That'll never happen. And it'll Unless ne- you're being hypnotized, like mom right. did when she was my our mom found out she was pregnant <laughs> with Lee, and she was like, "I can't do this by myself," and she had to go get hypnotized. And she imagined she like had some weird visual where like you were inside her. Some look who's talking visual where I had the voice of Bruce Willis. I'm like, Hey mom, stop smoking. Yeah. And she not, she didn't smoke after that. Although this one time our mom is a French teacher and she used to take us on these like trips to France when we were kids. And one time I was like 14 and I saw mom smoking on one of the trips. And I was like, I went and cried myself to sleep right now. And then I'm now I'm like a mom and I'm like, good for her. You know, yeah, <laughs> like fuck yeah. she was letting loose, having a gin fizz and one cigarette, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's something that happens when you're a teenager where you want to individuate from your parents. And so you're like, I want to go out late and I want to smoke or do whatever it is that to individuate. I want to do things to piss them off. I think a similar thing happens with parents where at a certain, it's like the opposite, like where they need to individuate from their kids. Like they need to go out and, and smoke and party and like kind of be like, I'm a human being beyond my the definition of my parenthood. Mm-hmm. And right. And Going back to what you're saying about you said something optimism. I I I have a similar philosophy I call fatalist fatalistic optimism, which is assume that the world will fall apart into apocalyptic disarray, um, but also hope that it won't, and therefore life will never disappoint you. Every day that the world does not fall apart into the apocalypse is a good day. Well, so that makes me think of like our grandma Miriam's Judaism, where she's like, oh my God, like she was a woman of, you know, of Hadassah, but at the same time, she was like, I'm just expecting the worst out of this, you know? Stan. There were only a few things she could rely on, like a Hoff's Hut, you know, reduced fat blueberry muffin and a tuna melt, 
you know, and everything else was just like slightly disappointing to her. Even grandpa, like he would be like, Miriam, nice <laughs> soup, but it doesn't taste like my mother's, you know, yeah. like too salty, think, not salty I that, enough. I think that that outlook kind of comes from our family a little bit. hundred percent. Yeah. And she would go get that. She would, it's like one of those glass half empty glass glass half full. She went after grandpa passed and started haunting the house, but that's another story. She would like go to Hoff's hut with her, like stay in his mints and all the couches. <laughs> yeah. Eating. It was bizarre. He started eating mints in the middle of the night. I don't know. I don't like even Jews. Like we don't really believe we got, I guess we got dibbics, but we don't really do like a ghost type thing, but hundred percent. He was haunting that house. Um, but yeah, she would like, go to this Hoff's Hut restaurant here in sunny, sunny Southern California. And she would get the tuna salad sandwich, but then she would eat half, mm -hmm. put it in the fridge, then go back the next day, get another tuna sandwich. Well, then, 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 then the next day she would eat the other half. Then she would go back and get another. So she was always like half a tuna sandwich ahead. Smart lady. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, one time she we were at her house and she had three Eggo waffles left. <laughs> I love and this me story. And Danielle and you, our little cousin Danielle, who's now you know successful lawyer She's in Long lawyer, Beach. Yeah. Um, she, she, Grandma was like, "Oh, so you know, I have three waffles and three grandkids, and so you would think that everybody gets a waffle, but no." She was like, "Lee's a boy and he's older." Um, Lee gets two and Danielle and Emma have to split one. And then they, for the rest of their breakfast, they get to eat, you know, strawberries with Splenda on them, which is the other kind of stuff she had in the fridge because our grandpa was diabetic. So, I mean, for someone who is such a feminist, like what a bizarre, bizarre thing to do. I don't know. I, I can't make sense of that story anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, as I don't know a, how we got off on this tangent, but. I don't know, but as a chauvinist, I have to say, you're lucky you got a fucking half. You're lucky I didn't want three. I used to do this horrible joke in my act that was like, Yeah, I went with my girlfriend to get burritos and I bought us burritos and I ate my whole burrito and then she ate half. And then in the middle of the night, I got high and ate the, and ate her half. And she said, You ate half of my burrito. I was like, I paid for it. Technically, you ate half of my other burrito. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, I'm it, only not laughing harder because I've heard that like seven, yeah, four exactly. times, but I do love that joke. Um, the Russian bot at downloading this. Especially because she was always trying to get you to buy her stuff. Yeah, she's but <laughs> whatever. She's a successful um, news Something career. that I am looking forward to in 2021, though, is you and me going to Burger King together. Oh, and Disneyland. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So there is, even if, you know, these vaccines make it so that we like, you know, still spread it to people or whatever. Like, I just hope at some point we can go to Burger King. Me too. It's like my favorite, my favorite sandwich. My favorite I mean, you got me like a, like you got me like a, you got me like a nice present for my birthday once, but then you also got me like a $10 <laughs> Burger King gift card. And like, I went to the Burger King in my old neighborhood, got a Whopper and a soda. And I sat on the grass in front of the Burger King and watched the sunset. And I think it was the best. Beautiful. It was the best meal I've ever had. Oh my god! I'm so glad, Leaf. I know it's beautiful. I can't wait to go back to um, 
go back there and also go back to Disneyland. And I was talking to our cousin the other day and I was like, now that I, now that I have COVID and I'll have antibodies, I'm going to go back to Disneyland. I'm going to, I'm going to lick every turnstile. And he's like, well, you're going to have antibodies for COVID, but you could still get fucking hepatitis. <laughs> and, and one of the things you were, you were pregnant when rise of the resistance came out, the newest ride. Uh-huh. And the Star Wars ride out in Batu Galaxy's Edge. And you haven't even got to ride that yet. So it's like. No, I went on the one. Um, Smuggler's Run, but Smuggler's Run. I went on Smuggler's Run and I I was so happy. And I got to be the pilot, which was amazing. Yeah, um, the pilot's the best part. Yeah, but I have not been on Rise of the Resistance. So I feel, I just keep, I just keep saying to myself, there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah. A lot to look forward to. Um, 100%. Something too that I'm loving about Star Wars right now, yes. like full circle, is that like I don't feel like Star Wars fans are fighting so much about Mando. 100%. And it's making me just feel like that is the nurturing energy that I need going into this 2021, this 5781. <laughs> uh-huh. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, 5271. <laughs> Well, so I, I just like, I'm, I'm loving that. Vibe. I'm glad that you brought this up because this is the whole reason why I wanted to pod with you today. Because, yeah, great. We because wanted like, to end them. Yeah, we sort of like live text Mando to each other. I'm usually like an ep ahead and I'll be like, did you watch Mando? Right, and then you don't have a kid yet. when you have a kid, you're going to be an epi behind too. Right. I'll be a whole Star Wars episode behind probably. But yeah, the, uh, and so I'll be like, did you, did you watch it? I, I don't want to spoil it, but I need to talk. And so. We'll be like texting. All right, well, this, we just need to we just, gotta we just need to talk about this because yeah, Mando Mandalorian is like the new show, and it does seem to be in this time where like everyone is fighting over everything. Everything is like a culture war, including Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Mando seems to have like this healing power. Like Mando is doing for Star Wars what Joe Biden says he's going to do. We're like, I'm going to heal the soul of the, the heal. We are heal the soul of the nation. We're going to be back in when the nation, the civil war. I, I used Joe to Biden drunk in your mind. I, yes. I was actually, we were talking about uh, your daughter now. Like she's kind of like, can't quite talk. She can say like hi and stuff, but she's like trying to talk. So she'll be like, Sorry. and so I think that Joe Biden. Ruby kind of sounds like Joe Biden. She'd be like, she's probably could have done as capable a job. Yeah, she can debate. I'm with Joe, but but yeah, I'm with Joe too. I vote. I stand with Ruby as well. Yeah, I I always said that the only way I would vote for Donald Trump is if he died of coronavirus, and the other was if he came out as trans. If he had been like, (laughs) if he had been like, I'm trans. I'm the first woman president. And I think it's very sexist the way I've been treated. Oh my God, that would be amazing. No woman has ever been treated as unfairly as Donald Trump. <laughs> I would have been oh, like, you got my beautiful. You're a beautiful that's man. Beautiful. Well, what's great? You. So I love that. And yeah, let's get back to Mando. Um, yeah. So, like, what's great about Mando is like it achieved, I think, what the new movies didn't achieve, which is mm-hmm. that. It successfully blended the new with the with the old that we love in a great way. Yes. And and probably just as important or more important, it also just had its own feel or vibe, like with yeah. this sort of Western vibe, which of course is like a, th- a throwback and an homage, you know, because John Favreau like understands film and cares about film. And spaghetti westerns and all those old. Yeah, because exactly. Boba Fett was based on the creative. man with no name. 
Yeah. It feels like watching, I know it ends with the comic, like, like art, um, but it feels like reading yes. a, a really good comic book, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, which I grew up loving just like, cause they were left in the bathroom, like with your dad's like poop particles poop on colored them. Star Wars. <laughs> I still just like loved comics because of that. So I just like my, I just feel like really warm. I like, I like Mando. And also I think you and I like it so much because like, I just became a mom and you're about to become a dad. And like Mando is just like, he's just trying to figure out how to be a parent, like an adoptive dad. And it's just, it's really like, it's really sweet. Yes. In a, in a saga where the whole thing, all of this tragedy is caused by bad fatherhood. It's like Darth Vader is like a shitty oh, father. Yeah, yeah, and, right. and, and I'm not the one that pointed they this out. Parents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's just like abusive, <laughs> horrible fathers, like cutting off his hand and all this shit. Like, uh, and Mando is the, and I'm not the first one to point this out. He's the first good father in the history of, of Star Wars. Right. And actual- Luke's uncle, like who was a nice man, like didn't see him. Yeah. He didn't hear him. It's like oh, the, the harvest was when I need you the most. Yeah, he's like, but here's the thing: he actually was a good uncle. Out my friends, because he didn't want Luke to join the Imperial Navy. Because that's right. the thing: Luke's about to leave for the Academy in Episode Four. He's like, I want to go join the Academy with Biggs. Biggs, of course, he turns and goes to the the Rebellion as well. Um, but but Luke's I, I, destiny was just so much bigger than that. Exactly, and I think no that Owen, that. like obviously, like like again, like full circle, he's just coming from a place of fear, and if mm-hmm. he's been honest with Luke. Maybe he would be alive today. Exactly. And I think that Owen, there's a subtext there that he's a better man than we think. I think, yeah, he took care of Luke. Of course. And, I don't also the way he went about things, but I still think he yes. has a good heart, good Nishama. And he's trying to protect Luke. He wants to keep Luke away from the Empire because he knows that that's the Empire's bad. He also right. knows that if he if Luke goes to the Empire, he might get caught and they'll, they might figure out who he is and they might kill him or use him against him. And one of the things that, even though I'm not a parent yet, but that I've sort of learned that is one of the hardest things about parenting just from having a fucking dog is the inability to explain to your kid that the reason why you're doing something that they think sucks is because it's, you're trying to protect them. Like, yeah. Like when I don't let my dog like run into the, like run unleashed, you know, she thinks it sucks. But the reason why I'm doing that is because she doesn't get hit by a fucking tanker truck. Mm-hmm. And so what Owen is like, he's like, I, I, I want, I don't want to be, I don't want you to think of me as this asshole, mm-hmm. but I, I'm doing it for your good. And he dies for it. He dies for it. And I think that. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. And I think that, that um, the, the great thing about star Wars, it's always been, about this collaboration between the old and the young, that that there's always something for the young to learn from the old, and there's always something for the old to learn from the young. Then that's why there's this Padawan master relationship, and the Padawan master relationship is not just important because the the master is teaching the Padawan, but it's also that the Padawan is teaching the master patience, uh, perseverance, uh, leadership, and it's something that they don't show in the movies, but they show in the cartoons is by making Ahsoka, who is, is now played by Rosario Dawson, me, me, in uh, the, the new ones, is that even though he's not quite prepared to be a master, they give him Ahsoka as a Padawan. And yes, she's learning from him, but also 
he's learning from from her and he becomes a better jedi and one of the reasons surrogate parents exactly and one of the reasons i mean they all fail though like you know obi-wan fails as a surrogate parent even like this cush um beautiful life that leia is raised in you know by the king and queen of alderaan like they and i love jimmy smith's you know Mm -hmm. um they fail her too like she you know she's literally the only one left standing you know besides um who in mando is from alderaan uh cara dune right right cara dune who's just you know her parents obviously failed her because they gave her too many steroids (laughs) (laughs) that's like child hormone injection but you're hundred percent right. They all fail. And it's because everyone's trying to be a parent, but they all, they all are worse than, than Manda. <laughs> exactly. And, and I'll tell you why they fail. They fail for the same reason. This is why you fail. This is why you fail. They fail for the same reason that in a lot of ways, the prequels failed unquote failed. And that is because uh, they don't trust the younger generation. And I always say the younger generation is always right about music and politics. So always just assume that the whatever music that you think sucks that your kid likes is probably better. And whatever opinion that you think is crazy, they're like, oh, I think that horses should be able to marry guitars. And like, just just assume that that is woke and that's the right side of history. Um, And um, they, they don't trust him. He goes, he tries to save the Jedi. He goes to Mace Windu and he says, I figured out who who the Sith Lord is. Listen to me. And he's like, no, I'll, I'll believe you when, when I believe you. And because of that hubris of not listening to the younger generation, he dies and, and leads to the fall of the order. And Anakin tries to. Anakin was right. And the reason why, the reason why um, the original Star Wars, specifically the best one in a lot of ways, Empire Strikes Back, is great is because it's a collaboration literally between the master and the learner. He brings in, Lucas realizes, you know, this has grown too big for me to just handle. And he brings in his master, his old teacher, Irvin Kushner from, I guess, USC or whatever. He brings him in. He says, I need your help. I'm going to be the young one and I'm going to bring all this youthful energy, but you know how to direct actors better than me. And so I'm going to. And sell them. Exactly. And I'm going to, we're going to work together like master and apprentice. We're going to create the greatest movie of all time. It really is. It is. Flash to the. And then there's master and and then they write this beautiful story of master and student. Yeah. Yoda and and Luke. And we have half the movies on Dagobah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I think Yoda's based on. They're sort of in quarantine on Dagobah together. Totally in quarantine. (laughs) And then the, and then we go to the prequels and George Lucas says, I'm going to do everything myself. I'm not going to let anyone write this. I'm just going to come up with everything. I'm not going to listen to the younger people. He's got Doug Chiang. All of the, the all of that art at the end of Mando that you're talking about, that's by Doug Chiang. Doug hmm. Chiang did all of the concept art for the fan. And also he's now a producer on Mando. He did all the concept art for uh, episode one through three. And that's the best parts of those it's movies because- it's so, this younger guy. Who, yeah, he's this younger guy who's influenced by George Lucas, and and he comes in. He creates this. The, he designs the most beautiful movie ever. I think that Episode One surpassed Gone with the Wind as the most beautiful picture ever made. And right, but you hate that movie also. Yeah, I hate that movie as well. Uh, this is Mammy and Jar Jar Binks. Uh, anyway, let's not get into that. Yeah, um, but uh, he should have listened to Doug Chiang. 
He should have listened to a younger generation because now Doug Chiang is, is making Mando. He's the producer and it's great. Right. And that's why those movies like are weird and starchy because they don't, it, there's, no, there's not that youthful energy that Lucas himself brought. And then flash forward to the sequels, they bring in J.J. Abrams and there's this famous meeting with George Lucas and J.J. Abrams. And J.J. says, uh, and and George Lucas has, here's all my ideas for the new Star Wars. And since he created Star Wars, basically his new ideas, that is that is Star Wars. That's what Star Wars is supposed to be, no matter what we want it to be or not. And J.J. Abrams didn't take a damn thing. He basically told George Lucas to fuck himself. And he, he literally didn't... just farted out some movies. Exactly. And he, he made the same mistake that Luke did and not listen to his masters. And then of course he goes and he loses his hand and he doesn't save Han and he doesn't save Leia or anything. Cause he didn't listen to his master. Right. Right. Meanwhile, well, going well, just quickly too, going yeah, back to what we were talking about earlier, I like we we're, I guess we're sort of talking about friend tour, like friend mentor relationships and surrogate parents and also intergenerational listening and that's you know that's doc and marty right there too so you know um you know marty's parents are kind of self-absorbed and you never really find out how doc and marty start like hanging out which is like a like slightly just like a hair just like a sparrow's um teaspoon of creepy um but you know, but it all it all ends it all ends yes. good and, and everything. But it, but really, like you know, who are these? We we all need, especially like you know, as parents, like we all need. What's been so hard for me about trying to become a parent in quarantine is like I don't have any support from other people. Like obviously, my parents, our parents, have been helping me with Ruby, but I don't have like you and Amelia around all the time, or like my dear friends around, or like, you know, some of my best friends live on the other side of the country. Like I don't have those surrogate parents for Ruby right now. And exactly. those other role models to sort of balance out, you know, the mom with the unconditional love, but also the boundary setting, like kids and, and artists, you know, more than anyone need that kind of mentorship from other, you know, safe and like loving adults in their lives. Mm. Um, and people and with the cloth as well. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. be a cantor if it wasn't for the rabbis and cantors that that helped you guide you on your spiritual and career path. And you've had yeah, so many Obi Wan's and Yodas. People, yeah, all yeah. the people like who you know sort of help all the like you know the voice teachers and the theater teachers and the like bosses and all those people. Like we need those people, and I just feel like during this time of isolation, like we've all been sort of anicking out. Like yeah, we just, like. Or, or maybe George Lucasing out, like you just get stuck in your head. You know, mm -hmm. it's really hard to be creative, to feel successful. Um, and I don't know, in some ways, like, like um, we were talking about like new content. Mando has been probably the one thing that has just felt so good. Yes. Coming out of this year. And at first I was like, is this character interesting? Like, I can't see his face. You know, and they, what's funny about like Pedro Pascal, who like, I know you and Amelia didn't really watch Game of Thrones, but I, I love Game of Thrones. I'm not like mm -hmm. a super fan, but I just enjoyed it. I do and, love like, him from Narcos and Kingsman too. Oh yeah. Well, he was great in Game of Thrones. I think sort of being a fan of Game of Thrones and not a super fan was great because in the end, everybody was so pissed about how it ended. And I was like, I don't care. This was nice. Yeah. Like. But anyways, Pedro Pascal is great. And spoiler alert, like he gets his eyes 
like he dies in Game of Thrones because someone like thumbs out his eyeballs into his brain. Nice. Like Inspector. So I was just like, okay, Oedipus, that's I guess. why he's wearing this Mando helmet because he has no eyeballs. He has no eyes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mando is is a cipher, and that's why he's he's in, interesting. I mean, ciphers are to me the most interesting characters. That's what les chiffre means in going back oh, to Mulan is the because we don't really Love, know Love that teardrop, that bloody tear. And he's the most interesting it's character, and we know the least about him. Les right. Right. And well, and I love learning about the different, like, sort of the reform Jewish <laughs> Mando culture, which is yes. like Bo-Katan. You know, right? She's like, I love being Jewish. I love being Mando, but like, it's not my entire existence. Like, I don't need to follow these ancient laws to an OCD point. Like, I don't need to keep my helmet all the time. Like, mm-hmm. it's more of a value system that like helps guide me. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm Bo-Katan. Yes. I love her so much. Um, and I just hope that we see more of her, like, you know, becoming queen. And um, I'm, I'm really excited. Like, even though we may have less like, you know, Grogu and baby Yoda in our lives. He'll you get know? his own shit spinoff. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm really excited about Bo Katan. I think she's in the prequel in the Clone War. She is cartoons, right? Which like I'm not so familiar with. I've watched a few episodes here and there. There's a character in it that looks exactly like my ex your ex boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was just talking about that the other day. So you and you nailed exactly what it is, and it's so like in this time where um like the older generation and the younger generation we have these different interpretations of star wars for us who are sort we're sort of in between but the sort of gen xers like my my our cousin and my boss they grew up with like original star wars and right. so the the prequels and the cartoons it's kind of like what the fuck is this and then the younger kids are like no we love the prequels and the right. cartoons when I, the first time I went on Smuggler's Run, I went on with this, this little kid was in my group and he was explaining. So the reason why I soak up blah, 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 in these cartoons that I thought were shit, he was like, made me want to watch them. And then I went and watched them. And then he was yelling at these people who were like, there was these like older people who were the pilots and they kept crashing our ship. And he was like, just pull the thing. And he was like trying to be, he this little kid became like the captain of the Millennium Falcon. And this lady turned back and she was like, I'm trying. <laughs> and um, and then just like this kid was great. And afterwards he was like, may the force be with you. And so oh the God. thing is, yeah. And and the thing is, God bless. And the reason why Mando is healing this is it, it goes back exactly to what you're talking about with Bo-Katan and, and Mando. In the original chronology, before all of this, in Legends, the Mandalorians were this weird warrior culture that always kept their helmets on. Mm-hmm. And then and so that and then they erased that timeline when they created the new sequels and shit and so in this timeline the mandos are they're more like a greco-roman culture like they have these different like like city states and they take their their helmets off so the younger people are like no the mandos don't take their helmet off so it was weird in the show for the younger kids because they were like why this is not the way mandos are supposed to be they they can take their helmets off what are they talking about and the older generation watching the cartoons are like what's this why do they take their helmets off and i kind of liked both things so i i was like eh whatever because i try to like not be so Each mad at their everything. own choice of helmet right? exactly and um, mando fixes that 
it fixes yeah. that by explaining there are different types of mandos. There are the reform mandos like Bogotan, and then there are the, the we don't conservative egalitarian. <laughs> exactly. There's the like Hasid, we don't care if we get COVID, it's the will of God right. mandos. And I'm like, oh my yeah. God, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And it also this show is literally healing the wounds of these people who they said they hated the prequels and these kids were like, why are you so mad at the prequels? Right. And it's beautiful too, because, you know, I've, I've explained this before to friends about, you know, being Jewish and loving being Jewish and Mm -hmm. sort of loving my tribe, even though I feel like we live in a, in a universalist world and tribalism sort of should die in a way. Um, But I also, so I think, it's important to just understand your tribe and where you come from, um, but not to feel yourself better or worse than anybody else and to be open to learning about other people. And so I, that's what I see like with Bo-Katan is she, you know, she cares about her tribe's history. She wants a future for them, you know, but she's not going to force her beliefs on them. She's not going to force her beliefs. And she also, I mean, Jews, we don't really do that anyways. Yeah, She Um, questions his belief. and challenges, well, but that's, she... that's the most important thing to be able to do of all, right? Is to ask questions. Um, and I don't know. I just, I, she's the heroine that we need. Exactly. And I, and love, I love, like, I used to babysit for these kids. Our dad had like this lawyer friend, Ron <laughs> Olner. Oh, yeah. And he, I mean, I, he, I was obsessed with their family because his dad, like, wrote this amazing Holocaust memor- memoir. Mm-hmm. where he like had blonde hair and he like hid in this Polish farmhouse. This Europa, sort of- Europa style kind of. Yeah, exactly. It was amazing. So I just like loved, I had just a crush on their family. So great. I went to babysit the boys and I was like in high school and the boys were, you know, under 10 and they were like, so you want to watch, like this was in Clone Wars and everything was just coming out, the cartoon. Yeah. They're like, do you want to watch with us? And I was like, wow, okay. And I just was so pleased. I've never forgotten that because it's just so lovely. Here we are, you know, two old parents, you know, on a Saturday, on a Shabbat morning talking about, you know, the franchises that we love and sort of our liberal guilt. Um, But it just warms my heart to know there's a younger generation out there that knows more about Star Wars than me and um and just just loves it you know so i think that's cool and another thing too i'm thinking about like shifting a little away from mando but like i'm a big fan of rogue one i thought that that was just i just loved rogue one it's my favorite of these new movies me too it's my favorite i like it more than solo i like it you know more than episode seven eight nine which are going to get redone anyways because it exists and it bridges the gap it has prequel characters like Jimmy Smith's, but then also new characters like or older characters like Tarkin. Yeah, it they I read too, like that people are saying, you know, Mando really bridges the gap between the original, you know, trilogy to the new one. I don't feel like so strongly about that. I don't think it's the fault of the series, but like it's not like there's I don't feel like the purpose of that is to fill in the gaps. I feel like it's telling its own story in the context of the universe and the galaxy, you know, but I love Rogue One because it really is like scene to scene, you know, this beautiful bridge. And I, I also just like love tragic love stories mm, where, yet. yeah, well, Tristan but it's not that, so it's, it's even better than that in Rogue One because there's nothing tragic about the love, like the love 
is so between Jin Urso and what's the guy? I forget his name. Cassian Andor. Yeah. It's, their love is so pure. Like they don't have sex. Like they just truly, it's just beautiful, pure love. They work together. They hold each other they when they something. die. They hold each other when they die. It's so pure, but the only the circumstances are tragic. So like Romeo and Juliet, I'm like, you like- they fucked it up themselves. Yeah, you helped did. create this problem. Your parents and you, you couldn't break the chain. You know, you couldn't say this ends with us. Like, so they're, they're, the love wasn't so pure. There was a lot of lying and a lot of hatred built into that. And they were just like narcissistic teenagers who just wanted to piss off their parents, right? They didn't even know what love is, is mostly lust. Correct. But um, I just love the purity of that movie. And like, and then like also Le Chiffre, uh, the actor that was Le Chiffre in Casino Royale, like plays Galen Urso. And like, I love seeing actors go from like really good to really evil or the yeah. opposite. So like, mm -hmm. you know, he's so, and that's why he works in that role is because, you know, some like the same audience has seen him as Le Chiffre. And so we like, know him as evil so in the beginning you think that he's, oh, he's sort an of imperial yeah. yeah but really like then he does this 180 and oh it's so good and he fixes a huge what is it termed a plot hole that the gen x star wars people are like how is it that that they managed to there's this big stupid exhaust hole in the death star that they managed to blow it up they explain that it's actually he is part of the rebellion right oh, he so is the most important person in the rebellion. He puts it there for a purpose and he hides it in there under so, the code name Stardust. It helps tell the whole story. Yes. And he thinks it after her. Oh, it's so good. And so that, good. and it gets to the core of why people rebel and why the rebellion comes together. All of these races from across the, the world and the one or across the galaxy. One of the best things about that, which was one of the worst ones, the new. Rise of Skywalker is at the end, all of these, these different cultures come together because they have a shared um, hatred for the First Order and the Empire. And it goes back to what Cassian Andor says. He says, you're not the only one who lost everything. Cara Dune, she why, lost everything. We need, people, we need people to say that to each other at the end of 2020. You're not the only one who has struggled this year just because you can't leave your house or you can't, you know, like, go to Nordstrom, you know, it's a shared trauma. It is. So, and you're right. It and it totally does bridge that gap. It answers questions that we didn't even know we needed the answer to her. And here's a funny thing that I didn't know. Uh, someone else noticed this in the flashbacks in Mando season one. Um, we see that his parents were killed by battle droids and battle droids were the henchmen from the prequels. So all these assholes were saying the prequels ruined my childhood. Like in that show, there's this subtext where the prequels literally ruined Mando's childhood. <laughs> the prequels literally killed his parents. Remember like we, we just like got to go see the prequels, like in the movie theater and we yes. were teenagers, like just like that alone, you know, all the like beautiful dorks from our like high school theater company, you know, just seeing that together and, and cheering and a hundred percent jokes like that in and of itself. Like, I just feel like people should just be a little more grateful that, you know, not to say that we can't criticize or have our own feelings, but um, I'm glad you brought that up. Just like so bored of the negativity. It's so yes. boring. Everyone's been fighting over Star Wars. This one's better. That one's worse. That's not what Star Wars is. That's not how the force works. It's like, okay, 
back in the day, this in, the in-between time, see, you and I, we were born waiting for the next Star Wars. We were not alive when, when Return of the Jedi came out. Uh, and so we were just born into this world. It's like, what happens next in Star Wars or what happened beforehand? And there was sort of like this consensus among everyone. When there was just those three movies, if you liked Star Wars, you liked Star Wars. There were certain people like, oh, Star Wars is dorky. But if you met someone at a party and they like Star Wars, great. We like Star Wars. We love it. We like Star Wars. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I was, I remember being bullied on the bus for reading Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. It wasn't cool. Like now it's really cool to like be a nerd and to like have the emoji with the like nerd glasses. Nerd like, culture is pop culture. Yeah. But it is but mainstream now, culture. But when we were like teenagers, it wasn't at all, you know? And exactly. But in, and, and we all disagreed. Oh, it's good. You either like Star Wars or you don't. And then right. the, and then episode one came out and the prequels came out. And even then, even when people started hating on Star Wars, it was still among adult fans and teenage fans. It was still the consensus that those sucked. Mm -hmm. So even though the movie started sucking to a lot of people, there was still something to, everyone was still on the same boat. Cause we're like, we love old Star Wars and we don't like new Star Wars. So it was like, even when Star Wars started not being what people wanted, we were still bonded over that. Right. Right. But now it's like, there are people who don't even, there's the people who don't like the prequels or the sequels. There's even people who don't like return of the Jedi. They're like, no, no, it's stupid. There's the that I just can't stomach. So what, you know, we're just purely, we just, we love, we love our franchises. I mean, I'm a loyal franchisist. Like Me even, too. Um, you know, it's timely at this time of year, you know, I, I love the, the Santa Claus, um, <laughs> another sort of excellent sci-fi trilogy. Um, but, but so as a purist, I love like the things that I love and like, it's okay to be a little disappointed by sequels and, um, we're disappointed by our own family members. And those are the people we love the most. You can be disappointed by your favorite movies too. And not exactly. freak out. You don't exercise excommunicate your family because you know you disagree right. about whether you want to go to Marie Calendar's or get sushi. Oh my god, but we would get in such big <laughs> right. So but we still we love each other. One time we, I think you jumped out of a moving car on Newell. I wasn't we, moving that fast, like maybe 10 miles <laughs> an hour. But still, you were so mad that like me and dad wanted to go to Tokyo Chicken in Lafayette. And you and we ended up go to the salad bar. It was important enough for us to maintain the tradition of going out to eat on Thursday night that eventually we figured out a place to go. As long as we ended up at Sevi getting some chocolate getting an, items. Getting a chocolate item. All well that ends well. So I, I think we should definitely do another pod. I have, I have a lot of ideas, but I think it should be a yes. separate episode about the hero's journey. Um, mm -hmm. and hero's journey. Yeah, because that's sort of prevalent in Star Wars and in all of our all of our favorite franchises. So, you know, we'll make it a Wookiee day because today's Wookiee life day. We'll make it a Wookiee life day two parter. Next time we yeah, have, that's great. Off, we'll do that's it again. And yeah, I think you're right. And fatalistic optimism. Look, looking at my list, did we cover everything? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So everybody stop being so fucking pissed about stuff. Yeah, everybody relax. Like, uh, so, and I think also, um, wrapping up 2020 as sort of to as review as liberal guilt reviewers mm -hmm. i would say that um my favorite show of the year was you know mandalorian season two yeah uh, me too. it was great and i think my favorite 
um, feature of the year was um, Take Me to the World, a mm. Steve Sondheim YouTube celebration. <laughs> um, Finishing the hat. It was so good. If you, if there are any um, musical theater listeners out there in, in, in the handsome universe, um, do yourself a favor and just listen to the opening Merrily Orchestra. It's so good. There's also one point, Lee, did you watch this video? I didn't so know great. they do Merrily. It was in April and it was like the beginning of the pandemic and they were supposed to do this. Um, I'm really shifting gears here, but this is some Fine. quality content. Talk about Sondhags. Um, <laughs> there was, they were supposed to do a 90th birthday celebration, take me to the world for Sondheim live. And everybody that like loves Sondheim and has been in his art, like was supposed to perform for him and they couldn't do it because of COVID. So all these people did these high quality videos, you know, at home. And it's just beautiful. And the opening song is an orchestra, everyone playing solo at home. The the merrily the merrily overture, which is one of the greatest overtures. So good. Besides, you know, Bernstein's Candide, it's probably the greatest musical theater overture. Yes. Maybe Rogers and Hammerstein. Because it's also about writing musicals, and it's told it's backwards. So good. It's so meta. So you so hear good. the main theme song. Yeah, da, 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 da. You see it written backwards. You yeah. see it first as like this showstopper. It started out like a song, and then you see that the producers ruined the song, and it was originally supposed to be a ballad. It started out like a song, and then we flash forward to the beginning, and you see that they have the tune, but the song sucks who wants to live in new york and it's like this shitty like 1950s type well, maybe, song maybe we need to do a home merrily episode we do i i, um, I they're making a new movie of it with the with the ben platt kid and you know and they're in, gonna do it over like 30 years like it's supposed yeah, it's to be done be so good. beanie feldstein i'm a big fan of her she's um she's a. Uh, what's his name uh jonah hill's little sister oh yeah she's in um smart alex or whatever that one's called uh book smart book smart love that movie she's in very smart cute. Alex. <laughs> yeah, yeah she's playing mary she's it's gonna be so good um so that was my Perfect that's my girl. my year in review um is the take me to the world special and there's one part actually we were talking about how much i hate dog owners obviously you excluded but also Mandy Patinkin. There's this one part where Mandy, all the other, all the other actors make their video like in their New York apartments, and they're like, they're like with their headphones, like Kelly O'Hara. She's got the whole thing like acted out, perfectly manicured and beautiful. And Mandy just like his like son is filming him, and he's in the middle of a field like with his dog on a leash, and he's just singing, finishing the hat a cappella, like totally Aspergery. It's so good. What a um, great show. Sunday in the Park with George. So good. Also, I don't know if you know who this the woman Rebecca Luker is. She's a a Broadway star. She played like opposite Mandy. Um, actually, Mandy's like the true love of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Alien Nations, Mandy Potemkin. <laughs> go, you should go back and watch Alien Nation. I oh, I will. But this woman Rebecca Luker, who played opposite him in Secret Garden, she just died this week of ALS. Oh no! So I'd like to dedicate this pod to her. Um, Beautiful. She, she was a real star, beautiful singer. She's she's married to uh, Danny Burstein, who is he was Tevye on Broadway, and he most recently played in Moulin Rouge, the new Broadway show, the like Jim Broadbent character. I forget what his name is. Nice. Um, but he, yeah. So he's she left behind, you know, him and their two sons, and he actually the whole Broadway cast of Moulin Rouge was the first one to get everyone got COVID. Getcha, getcha, yeah, yeah, COVID. Basically, Real fucking coronavirus. This is Rebecca Luker. She was the. She was amazing. Great. She was a, a parent figure, summing up 
all of your parents, everyone's parents are going to disappoint them, whether you love them or not. So find yourself some surrogate parents to help raise you and just hope that they're more Obi-Wan than, um, you know, Owen. Absolutely. Uh, let me, I think that's a great way to do it right now. I'm going to, are you looking at the screen? I'm going to do, I'm going to screen share Mandy Patinkin in alien nation. (laughs) Wait, that's Mandy. I think so. Yeah. It's Mandy and James Scott. If you're watching, if you're listening right now, just Google Mandy Patinkin alien nation. It is a horrible movie and it was a terrible TV show. I know what I'm watching tonight. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like a cop show, but like there's aliens. It's just like, yeah. I see his eyes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's like Dragnet, but one of the it's like one of the guys is horrible. And Terrence Stamp of uh, Superman the movie uh, or Superman two, Neil before Zod fame, and also he is Chancellor Valorum in episode one. He's also in that picture. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, I think that 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 rounds it out. So you know, like they say, next year in Jerusalem, we'll say next year in Disneyland. Hopefully, we'll do Rise of the Resistance together. And we could do a full review of that. My recommendation for the year is sitting in the drawing room of my house, um, listening to the soundtrack to the uh, uh, original Broadway cast of Assassins while reading through the libretto to my unborn child and my wife. Oh my gosh, that's so nerdy and beautiful. It, it is uh, nerdy. Um, yeah, I, we're calling all of, instead of saying like, Oh, the, the, the uh, living room, I'm calling it the drawing room. And instead of like the baby's room, it's the nursery. Absolutely. You're too old for the nursery, Wendy. That's a great recommendation. Gotta love Victor Garb. Oh yeah. He's great. We should also do an episode where we review classic movies like Titanic. That sounds great. Okay. We've got a couple. So we all listeners, we just want to keep you, you know, hungry for more. So <laughs> yeah. Sondheim. I'm just trying to get myself invited back. So no, you're hundred percent invited back every time you're so busy. This is the only way we can hang out. I think. Well, it's like, it's, it's when work slows down, I have to be like being a professional, like teacher and singer. I'm so careful mm-hmm. with my voice. It's so annoying. Yeah. I love my job, my career and everything, but that voice that- is money. It's been really, that's been hard. So having time when things are slow and I can just like sit and talk for an hour, you know, plus I'm just getting better at, at managing, you know, uh, managing all that. So it's getting easier. So I'm just happy to be able to be here. And we should a hundred percent. And once we can actually hang out in the same place together, like once you get the vaccine and I have my antibodies, I want to record the unrecorded liberal guilt radio theme that you and I wrote with, mm-hmm. with star Wars rebels, Kurt, uh, years ago, we wrote it together. And I think it goes, there's so much wrong in the world when every boy and every girl can't get food and healthcare and love. Mm-hmm. And don't you bleed and not just cry when you see a dolphin cry, die or a wise old oak tree cut down or when slanders and slurs, Get from round gals and real furs, eat red meat in a leather seat. But that pain will go away if we watch what we say here on LGO, LGO, Liberal Girl Radio. Yeah, Liberal Girl Radio. I can't hit my own high note. <laughs> but I just love that part. The pain will go away if we watch what we say. The pain will go away. Ah, love it. Love it. Well, I'll let you have the last word. Um, 
just, you know, stay healthy. Don't be stupid, people. Um, don't, you know, I know you can get COVID by um, not being stupid, but you can also get it um, by being stupid. So no shame to <laughs> people who are unstupid and all the shame um, to you selfish people out there. So stay unselfish, stay safe, and, um, you know, feeling hopeful. There it is. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.